Welcome to another edition of Mr. Nice Guy. Ben Slowey coming at you tonight. I've got with me um, a guy who uh, loves to play a battlefront. Um, he's an artist. He just released a coloring book, um, which you can order on Amazon. Uh, he's also a voice for social justice. Um, we've uh, just met through the internet, and uh, I... Uh, I admire the guy. I want to hear what he has to say. So I'm gonna we're gonna shoot the shit and uh, talk about what's going on in the world right now. So, Nick, Eastad, welcome. Yeah, to yeah, you. yeah. Good job. Good job. You didn't butcher it. You nailed that. That was a good no. dive. I saw you hesitate before, but you took the dive. You got a good nine point five on it. It's close. Okay. Good. Thanks, Nick. Yeah. The the reason. Well, I I got to shout out McKenna for. Um, for that because like uh, i've visited her like i actually got a haircut from her like a couple weeks ago and oh so you've seen my mom's salon yes i have been in your mom's salon shout out to salon Yestad. so i got i've just heard it like i've heard your name like verbalized so i i i got it down yeah um, people have a rough time with it it's fine you know what's funny, and this is this is off topic, but I will say this: it's always funny because when I when I go to places like the doctor or whatever, they're like, you know, how do you spell your last name? I'm like Y S T A D. People always put like W A S T D or or like Y A S T D. It's funny. It's like it doesn't register with people because no one is like a Y and then an S. But anyways, yeah, that's what. If you don't mind me asking, like, what is like the like the origin of that lovely last name? Norwegian. My mother. The, I don't know if you saw her. Oh, she probably wasn't there. Yeah, my mom's a little five foot four Norwegian woman. Uh, oh, she was there. I met your oh, mom. Shout yeah, out to she, mom. She's <laughs> spitfire. <laughs> uh, dude, that's. I'm actually. I'm a quarter Norwegian myself. Um, that's my, where you get the red beard. That's what yeah, that is. Totally. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Uh, that's all dad. My dad's Norwegian and Irish. Slowy is an Irish Catholic last name, but I'm also a Jew on my mom's side. So Jewish, Scandinavian, uh, neurotic mess. That's cool. Yeah, I like that. And also Slowy. Yeah, that seems like it'd be an Irish name. Seems like. <laughs> Very Irish. Yeah, Nick, um, I guess uh, to start, dude, uh, how are you? How's your day? Oh, man, my day's fine. Uh, you know. Uh, well, really, a day in the life, you know, we're, we're all just doing the same thing over and over I feel like a lot of us feel that way since last year. Things just feel different. But, you know, today I'm alive. I'm grateful for life. That's pretty much my answer to that. That's good, man. Yeah, it's um, it was I mean, it's still like completely snowbound outside, but it was nice enough to go on a little walk around the park today, um, which to me is always a blessing because I live for breaths of fresh air. Um, mm. But yeah, um, yeah. How are the kids doing? Are they good? Oh yeah, yeah. We we took advantage of the the you know calmness and weather to run errands too. Did that. That was fun. They're burnt out. Played some Nintendo. Nah, they're you know sitting in their rooms now, chilling. It's the best time of the night. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now you're hopping on the Mr. Nice Guy podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I got a little peace. There's not you know little humans that are just screaming. Yeah. Young minds that can't comprehend their noise in space. <laughs> All right. I, hey, we're still young minds in space, you and I. Yeah, true that. 
I still feel like a kid at heart, mostly. Oh, absolutely. As the One of the first things you said is I like to play Battlefront. I mean, yeah, I'm 30, and I still play Star Wars, like, every day. <laughs> oh, yeah, dude. There you go, man. That's, um... Gotta stay was, young. Yeah, no, that's that's a good choice, actually. I had Battlefront 2 on PS2 when I oh, was yeah. 10 or 11. Yeah, that's the OG. I have hundreds of hours into that. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Vance. Vance, if you see this, you know, you and I used to sit and play that for ridiculous amounts of times. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Yeah, that that shit was fun as hell. Like, I remember my friend, like, introduced the game to me. He was like, you can be as anyone. Dude, literally anyone you want. You You can be as them. And I just thought, like, the idea of, you know, open world running around, like, choose your character was like the coolest <laughs> concept ever yeah <laughs> yeah oh yeah dude, it's great shooting lasers oh it's great yeah it's like you know techno knights and and dudes with laser rifles yeah it's great hell yeah dude. so so you're so yeah i know you like document like you playing on like instagram and stuff so um so there's like a new battlefront that was made so like what like what's it like is it as like uh do you like it as much as the original the original holds a special place in my heart. Uh, this one's fun, and I play with a, a team of guys, so usually when I hop on, I'm playing with, like, a big party of people, and, and they're just a bunch of shitheads and shit posters, and it's a great time. You know, a couple of them are Australian. It's funny. It's like a couple of them are Australian, and a couple of them are from, like, super urban America. They're black dudes, and they're just two of the funniest, like, types of people meeting each other, and the conversations are just blessed. Like sometimes it's great, but anyways, it's it's a good time. I mean, you know, you run around and shoot lasers. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's there's dudes with lightsabers. It's it's uh it's a trip to nostalgia. You know, I've always been a Star Wars fan. My my cousin introduced me when I was six. Uh, and, and not to get all like like heavy, it's like my cousin Bobby. It was one of the last things he did before he died. He wanted to show me Star Wars, so we sat and we watched the trilogy. And I've been a fan literally since then. So it's like you know. I enjoy the lore, the universe. It's it's a good way to take myself away from this, you know. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. Well, that's I I like I like how you say that because you know such a vast fantasy world that is Star Wars is such a like crucial escapism from yeah just like the chaos of feeling so like lost in the conscious world and for me that was. Uh, that was Lord of the Rings for me when I was. Oh yes, I'm introducing my daughter to the trilogy. We just watched uh, the first one and got halfway through the second one. Great, hell yeah! And dude. she was freaking out about Gandalf. She had a very rough time uh, when Gandalf fell to the Balrog. She she was she was very very upset. I had oh, to yeah. stop the movie and put on the beginning of Two Towers to show her that like, no, he's a badass. He didn't yeah. die. She was dude. freaking out. It's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I used to have a hard time with that part too. I used to have to like leave the room when Gandalf fell. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, it's great. I wish I could have caught that moment uh, and recorded it because I I actually didn't expect her reaction to be how it was, and I was blown away because she was like, "No, oh my god!" Like freaking yeah. out. Oh man, it's the first time uh, she's watched a film and and like reacted like that to a character, you know, death or whatever. So it was, yeah, it was cool. But yeah, oh. Lord of the Rings for me too, man. Definitely escapism there. Tolkien, uh, when I was younger, yeah, I read all the novels, read The Hobbit. Uh, you know, definitely have indulged in that universe a whole yeah. bunch too. <laughs> oh yeah, I had all those Lord of the Rings games when I was a kid. 
the one where you play as Legolas, Gandalf, and uh, and yeah, and Boromir, and uh, yep. not Boromir, uh, uh, Aragorn. Yeah, Ar- yeah, yep. Yep. yeah. Yep. I I used to I used to just love cinematic games like that, but um, yeah, I I know I saw that they're like doing a new um like uh Lord of the Rings like TV series that takes yeah, place like a yeah, yeah it's like Silmarillion. Um, and I'm really interested in seeing that. Like, it's I, I hope that it's truly invested in on like a gimmick like the Hobbit kind of was. Yeah, you know, and I, I we'll see how it works. I've been surprised by a lot of like cinema and show lately, like The Mandalorian, for instance. Uh, I was surprised by that. Um, I was really surprised by The Witcher. You know, The Witcher is one of oh, my yeah. favorite. I've read the novels for The Witcher and played the games, and so it's like I was for certain that they were just going to not do it justice. And yeah. when they said it was going to be uh, Henry Cavill, I was like, wait, what? That doesn't make sense. And it all really made sense. Once I watched it, I was like, yeah. oh, yeah. So so I'm excited. We'll see. It's, it'll be nice to see Laura that's like away from, you know, the era of the ring, you know. So yeah, I'm excited. Dude, yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, yeah, dude. So we're talking about all this escapism and, you know, just like these massive fantasy universes which serve as a boon to a lot of us people that you know like just don't feel like we might fit in everywhere we go in the in the conscious world you know and i and that's definitely been um it's definitely been like something that i've identified with growing up but it's it largely ends up becoming like the person i've become today and what i'm interested in doing and the the sense of community that you know you we can foster um by you know just having a simple conversation like this so what we talk about on mr nice guy we talk love and fear passion and creativity and so yeah so nick we met all the way we definitely met through the internet you know, I think yeah. I first really like noticed what you were doing because you were super vocal during the uh, the uprisings uh, over the summer. Uh, yes, I'm like, man, I like this guy. He's he's talking business. You know, he, he's talking. He's like, he knows what's going on, and that's why, like, you know, I wanted to like actually like sit down and get to know you. So I like to read, and and I like to. I feel. I feel like there are a lot of people who have good hearts and good minds and good intentions, but don't read theory and don't read on practice or like what they're doing or like why they're doing what they're doing. And so a lot of what I was trying to do is like in, in, uh, in like a layman's blunt term to people being like, this is why you're doing it. This is the root cause of like, this is the passion behind it. This is what you should be paying attention to, you know, and not just like, oh, we're out here, you know, pushing for police reform or whatever, but it's like, what's, what, what is after that? What comes, you know, what comes after, you have to think of like, if we take these steps and things do get disassembled, then what gets put in place in that vacuum? Cause that has to happen. And yeah. so it was like, in the from the beginning, I mean, that was really some of my frustrations and all of my passion was just about that of being like, hey, big picture. Like, what is this? What is this on a scale above seeing it at face value? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. That's why a lot of us became communists and abolitionists this year. 
<laughs> yeah, I've noticed that. I've always just kind of been a fucking weird lefty dude since high school. Like, <laughs> yeah, just yeah. was like not in debate club because my concepts were too like radical type shit. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've, well, I, I've been, I was waiting for last year for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was what has come from it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a crucial tipping point because history has just repeated itself so rapidly. And I'm, oh, yeah, we're watching it. You know, we you talk about saying like imaginary uh, universes, at least the imaginary universes that we live in are like healthy and not what we've seen now on the opposite side because their imaginary world is bleeding into ours and it's affecting ours and it's not cute you know it's really really toxic it's pretty fucked it's like (laughs) it's delusional it's creepy it's it's just uncomfortable very uncomfortable that like that kind of disinformation and like conspiracies and shit get leaked into our regular media consumption and so, yeah, absolutely. Fox, be a mainstream label being able to play that propaganda. You know, it was, it, it's just, it's definitely something that's, I, I've always known, you know, you've seen those videos where the news reporters, they read the same lines and, you know, the videos sync up with each other and, and, and shit like that. And it's like, I've always been aware of that, but I think last year really did really pull the blinds up where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, you're, you're, the, the shots are getting pulled directly by someone who's like no this is exactly what i want you to hear information exactly being funneled to you in a specific way you know totally yeah it's like we know where those like fringe weirdo commentators are who they're getting paid by like who they're in cahoots with that's all a matter of time before it gets you know um before uh the man behind the curtain gets exposed and that's exactly what we see and so now it's like this past year has been, you know, such a like necessary tipping point. And I mean, I, and for one, like I definitely got hella radicalized this past year. I mean, I used to be like before pre COVID, I would say I was kind of like a democratic socialist, you know, like I was a big Bernie bro and whatever, but the past year now I'm like, man, this shit is rotten to the core. Yeah, I've uh, I've been kind of a like, man, I, I don't want to say like I was ever a communist or an anarchist or anything like that, because I never claimed anything political. I was more so, and I always have been of the mind of just like, fuck this system, it's flawed, it's broken. We built our economy on slavery and fur trade. Like we we built on ghosts that can't just be forgotten. And And I was adamantly against the war in Iraq in high school. And was vocally against that. Even as at a young age, I was like, what the fuck are we doing there? You know, and then as that developed, I, I realized that like we're in Afghanistan to hold on to the opium assets. We're in Iraq to hold a foot foothold. So it's like I've pretty much always been like, fuck this shit. I was pretty radicalized before last year. And I was really glad when it started popping off because I was like, yeah, come on, everybody. Let's go. Let's go. It takes a bunch of us. It can't be a small <laughs> come on amount. Now. It's got to be, be a big amount or it doesn't work. Yeah, it's, you know, and that's what happened and people fizzled out and it was sad. I feel like a lot of momentum was lost uh, in crucial times by a lack of focus, which was unfortunate. And I feel like that, you know, was here and, and other cities too. But, it, but it's like, yeah, it takes a lot of people. And I'm glad that a lot of people did get radicalized. And a lot of people did become more interested and a lot of people marched and people got involved donating supplies and like 
driving and giving information even and like find, collecting information. I mean, like the, the resources that became available to us so quickly, it was absolutely phenomenal and shows the power of people. I mean, within two weeks, we had a supply network. Within two weeks, we had coordinated drivers circling around the crowd, watching and watching out for cops, spotting for us, scouting, picking people up when the cops got bad. I mean, it was like within weeks, we had become a very coordinated force. And then I don't know what happened. You know, it was weird. It was like, uh, like the bubble popped and, it, and then the air fell out, you know, and it's like, I don't know. I, I, uh, I waited for it for a long time. And I really hope that people stay in the spirit and don't just like become complacent with now what we have, because the other side isn't gone. The people that call those shots aren't gone. Those white supremacists in the police force are there. They're in high positions. Like this right. isn't done. Nothing's changed. Yeah. You know? dude. But, they just, they just dove in the basement for a little bit until it got quieter. And now, and they're just, you know, they wait for the right moments to, you know, resurface. And you're right. Like, I mean, it, it definitely did quiet down. It simmered down. I think people like, I don't know if people just lost energy for it, but, or if, you know, I mean, I get that things, you know, I, Ben, I think that what happened is that a lot of people became intimidated by the vastness of the machine. You yeah. look up and you see the tower and you realize it touches the sky and it's scary because, you know, it's like, how, how do you topple anything of that magnitude? And it's true. And that's unfortunate is it's like, it's, it would to, to be anything like what anyone pictures, it would have to be massive. Like what they just did in India where they had millions and millions of people like, no, you know what? I'm not going to go to work and I'm not going to pay rent. And they did it. And they just millions and millions of people just stuck together and did it and looked out for each other's best interests and fed each other, helped each other with each other's children, helped each other with each other's burden as a community. And they did it. And that's yeah. the problem. I think a lot of Americans can't break like that. Oh, but I have to work and pay my bills or, you know, that like, and it's like, yeah, no, but it's, the community will look out for you. And you don't realize that when you take the leap and everyone takes the leap with you, we take care of each other. Cause that's what we are. That's what we're doing. That's, that's right. What, like, you, know. you hit the nail on the head, Nick. It's, you know, it's American individualism. It's, it's the individualism that is so deeply indoctrinated to a lot of us where we, a lot of people feel like, you know, they, like you said, you know, like they have their obligate for their life obligations that they feel so bound to because, you know, literally like, you know, our simply having a place to live is a commodity here in the here in america it's a stressor at most times think about it for most people rent is oh, a yeah, fucking dude. thing and when it's more than when it is maybe half of your monthly income you know it's like it's daunting to think how would you recover because like right now i mean you're paying your rent and if that's half of your monthly income that's already daunting and stressful but if you lose your place and then have to pay a security deposit then you find yourself in a very bad predicament, much worse yeah. than if you were, to, you know, and it's like, and I totally get it. And it's that it, it's, it's in, in a way indoctrination of, like you said, like individual, individualism manifest, de manifest destiny, but it's also just the fact that our system has become so economically oppressive. It yeah. has become, un, it, it isn't viable to try and survive as a single person realistically anymore, pretty much anywhere in the country that's urban. You know, and, and it's just, that's the reality of it. So 
a yeah. lot of people give into that fear and that's understandable, you know, totally. it's, but what people have to understand too, is that with communication and organization with people and creating packs and having broad networks of communication, like what we formed, like what organically happened in a matter of two weeks and then a month and then two months and was so tight knit and hundreds of people. It's like, when that happens, you don't need to have those fears because then you have the power of community. Landlords don't outnumber us. Politicians don't outnumber us. The police don't outnumber us by even a close amount, you know? So it's, it's that realization of, of people maybe snapping out of the fact that they are not alone, that we will float each other. That's what yeah. socialism is. I mean, that's what the concept is, is taking care of the people, right. you know? Oh yeah, dude. Like this the past year, um, and I think it did for many, but especially like, you know, when the freedom funds were um, in the utmost importance of, you know, where our comrades were getting locked up and taken into unmarked vehicles and whatnot, you know, we, we really quickly took the power of red redistribution into our own hands. It was you know, great. Like, I saw what McKenna was doing. I saw what you guys were doing from the sidelines. I was, uh, yeah. I was in the shadows kind of watching, man. It was, it was very great. How you guys operated together is very great. Still, still is. I like that. One of the things that is happening with like the PSLs education, having people read, that's a really big thing. You know, <laughs> it's, it's underrated. It's pretty it's underrated. Really big. When you understand the principles and the concepts and it, it helps break down that monolithic tower. Like yeah. I said, when you look up and you see this thing, that's just so scary. When, when you understand like what will fill that void, what the theory is, what the actual application is, I feel like it makes it easier to be like, oh yeah, I can commit to this, but I don't think enough people take the time to read, you know? Right. And you know what, another thing to think about it, another thing that I think kind of slowed the momentum down of the revolution of 2020 was the election, because everyone felt they needed to rally around Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. And, you know, a lot of people felt that was what became the the like the focal point of what we need to be organizing around but you know what even though yes i'm happy that uh the dump was impeached and is gone i'm i'm happy that trump lost but i'm not happy that joe biden is president because it's just going to be a it's going to be recycling of old ideas that have upheld oppressive institutions and that is where the energy cannot wane for something more. And we have people that are still doing that. I mean, I'm sure you're aware of the people's revolution on like day two oh, yeah. or something yeah. like that, you know? Um, this many that have still are still up and at them in the streets every day. But I think that in terms of such a large scale um, outing for people voicing the need for change, that got hijacked by the rallying around like getting trump out of office Um, and i yeah i agree with i definitely absolutely agree with that because you saw the rhetoric change towards the end of those last couple months you know september october where it was definitely talking about holding the police accountable in wauwatosa and all of that that was happening but you did see a lot of the people that you and i mutually know talk about you need to vote for Biden and their 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 speaking points and where their energy went and their attention went was definitely like, well, we have to vote Biden and arguing with people of like, well, why wouldn't you vote Biden? And it's like, 
Well, I don't know because it's a fucking capitalist. He's a goddamn. He's a racist. Like, yeah, exactly. Like the, you know, and one of the things that I said last year in conversations and meetings or sitting with people is like, I cannot wait for this, this race revolution to become a class revolution. That's because, right. because like when, when that can happen, when the awakening can happen inside of both, you know, white liberal America and black America and in the inner cities where they realize like, you know, it's that waking up of like, yeah, the police and the way that they operate is a result of capitalism and the way that our system was built. They are in a, they are a tool of the system. They are nothing more than that. Our system, our police force was formed off of whatever our economy was formed off of. It's racism, you know, yeah. it's fucking racism. But at the end of the day, it comes to class too, because we're all getting fucked. You know yeah. what I mean? It's, 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 and then there's the pittance. So like the working class white man, you know, it's intentional propaganda. And we all know this, that working class white dude who's not making much more than, you know, the inner city black dude that's like that we're so different, you know? And, and it's like, when we can break that as Americans, that's when I think we'll have the, like, the thing. That's but, right, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like, it's tr how, especially in a city as segregated as ours, how do we bridge that gap of communication with people, you know, for instance, on the white side who, who have intolerant mindsets, who aren't willing to see past or listen, you know? It's like, how do we, right. how do, we do that? How do we unite? people how how do we create that thing man like, yeah they're they're not exposed to one another like they're they're just not exposed like the white rural working class americans that you know uh perhaps did uh give into the empty promises that uh trump preached for four years like you know they a lot of them felt they, they felt fucked over and they felt uh unheard and unseen um, because of various economic issues. And uh, a lot of them also, you know, they live in just such homogenized communities where everyone knows each other. Everyone looks the same, you oh, know, yeah. like, Dude, I, I, oh, sorry, Ben. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, no, I was just going to say like, they might've, they might've met, like there might be one or two black families in the whole town. I mean, I know in Wisconsin, I, when I was in college, I met a lot of people who I was their first Jew that they ever met. That's, those are just a couple examples. And it's like, when you can bridge those cultural barriers of like that we are all oppressed people being the working class, we have more in common, no matter what kind of, you know, civilized environment that we call home, we have more in common with each other than these, you know, capitalist corporate politicians that, you know, are just so power hungry. We're all much closer to being homeless we're all much closer to being in the same boat as each other. We're all much closer to having a medical catastrophe ruin our fucking lives. Doesn't matter what color you are. We're all humans in a, in a flesh machine that can go wrong. And that'll, that'll destroy the life of you. It doesn't matter who you are, Trump supporter, Democrat, anything like that. And it's, and one of the things that you said is, is something that I posted about. I don't know if you saw this when I went up North, I visited my aunt. I hadn't been out there in, you know, five or six years. But one of the things I had said is like, I just realized they accidentally never interact with anyone of an ethnicity outside of Caucasian. They accidentally never talk to black people or Mexican people because there isn't any of that. And from that, they get stuck in their echo chamber of ideals 
and stereotypes without realizing, hey, you know, they, they accidentally dehumanize entire groups of people because they give into a rhetoric that just simply isn't true. That there is so much different from them that, or they're so much more different than they are similar, you know? And, and you see that on the internet, they have the ability to say things in public forums. And it's like, you don't know the world. You aren't an experienced individual. You've lived right. in a box. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and when you feed into, you know, hyper reactionary news outlets like InfoWars, for example. Oh, yeah. I'm embarrassed to say I used to listen to InfoWars when I was like 18, 19 years old. You know what? Alex Jones was not for the war in Iraq. And I was like, fuck yeah, I can be about what this guy's saying. But then he very, very quickly went into Alex Jones world. And, you know, we all know how that works. Yeah, but, you know, networks like his, um, you know, espouse, like, actual, like, you know, like, genuine white genocide conspiracy theories or, you know, COVID denial and shit like that. Like, shit that's actively going to put people in danger. And uh, um, there needs to, we need to, like, also really think about how we approach the topic of both sidesism. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, they've got freedom of speech or we've got to hear their side. It's like, no, they're fucking racists. And we don't give them space to grow and gain strength. You don't let them gain a foothold as they did in Germany. They're like, oh, yeah, no, they're just talking in the taverns. Oh, you know, this this Adolf Hitler guy, he's just having these these large beer hall gatherings. Oh, yeah, no, no biggie. No, you don't let them get get a fucking foothold. Fascists will do what fascists do when they can take an inch. They will take a fucking mile. And we've seen that in history throughout our entire species existence. And I, we can't just be like, oh, yeah, no, no, you know, well, yeah, we should just talk to them. No, fuck them. Yeah. No. Um, so I guess like with where we're at now, you know, like now that the election is over, now that, you know, we're we're holding the Democrats accountable, as they say. Oh, yeah, that's what it fucking seems like. Yeah, it really <laughs> does. Really seems like people are so upset. Yeah. What, what's so, that? We haven't gotten our, our stimulus check and we haven't gotten any rent forgiveness or anything like that, but he just did, what was it, four oil subsidies or something like that, something along those lines. He just he just gave a bunch of subsidies to like oil, oil companies and it's like, it's going to be the same centrist, capitalist fucking bullshit and, and it's just, are people just going to sit for another four years and complacently gobble it up? Because like, that's kind of what America is, is it's, you know, sit on your fucking couch and do nothing. Yeah, I guess like what what like what's what's on your mind now in terms of like you know political revolution and uh, like our shifting social culture and the way like we're talking about real change. I very truly believe that there needs to be, and now and and I don't mean this. Okay, so how do I word this? America police violence, American police violence is a fucking huge issue. And everyone around the globe can see that we shouldn't have an occupying military force that is like overwhelmingly killing black Americans. You know, it's modern day lynchings. That is very apparent. It needs to be remodeled or not remodeled, but it needs to be restructured. But I think that that restructuring needs to be a part of a class movement that I feel like that is one limb of a body that needs to be cured of its ails you know like 
I feel like once that awakening can happen broadly amongst people and we can start bringing people, especially in Milwaukee, this is something that this year I really hope happens with the way that the summer is. And you did see it happen this past year is like, we need those fucking Brookfield blonde liberal chicks to come meet black people. Like they can come to the marches and not talk to a single black person. They need to come and meet them. I was in the back of a truck with a woman and in one of, it was a Tuesday, right? In one of the first weeks, like the second week. And she was all teary eyed and she's a little blonde white girl. She's from the suburbs. She couldn't fucking believe what the North side looked like. She'd never seen it. She'd never driven through it. She said it looked like a war zone. And I was like, yeah, this is what urban America looks like across the board. You haven't been to fucking LA or any of those cities and never seen the sprawling Chicago. Chicago. I mean, like, fuck, you know, it's like we, we need to have a connection of the people or we won't have shit. That's where my head is. Cause I watched how quickly it got dismantled. I watched how quickly infighting happened. I watched how quickly people took the spotlight to make money. I watched how quickly people let their ego completely dictate their decisions. I watched people form clicks within the movement that wouldn't work with other clicks because they didn't agree with certain things. And it's like, shut the fuck up. We're on the same side. All of you are acting like children. And all of the people who want to get engaged but are afraid of engaging with the people, they're not there for the right reasons. So that's where my head is politically. When that can start to happen and people can start to form a bond in an actual community, a society, then you know we'll have something. But right now, the left is disorganized. They aren't fucking working together. Right. You know? Like it's and so I I took a step back. I'm rebuilding my family. I'm focusing on, you know, trying to work on this shit at the home front, still as avidly for this shit as I've ever been still talking to some people but you know what needs to happen and I don't think it'll happen right now in the winter is people need to start talking people need to start organizing people need to start understanding the the bigger picture you know like the roots grow into a tree what is that tree what stands above marching what stands what are you doing who are you trying to get into positions of power? You know, who, who, what, what legislator are you trying to pass? What are you going to do about the education system? Like food, you know, what, what are, what, what are these concepts? You know, like people need to start thinking at that level. That's where I'm at politically. You know, yeah. that's, that's where my head is. I hear you, dude. And I, I agree. And I think that you said, you know, very um, key concepts about like, one of the things that you said that just really stuck out was when we we're talking about like, you know, people's goals not aligning and the infighting happens and the drama happens and stuff like that. And, you know, I think that a kind of a tangential point of that is where we also really need to have conversations about like what is genuine versus performative activism and uh, like ask people like what what are they showing up for you know like what like what is motivating you to show up like what is what is driving you to rally around this cause that that brought you to this event today that made you like go out and march in the streets like what like are you doing it because it's like the cool thing to do that it's pop because it was so popular over the summer yeah, that's, that's, you know and yeah. or or are you doing it because you're enraged you want to topple this shit like, yeah. do you want to fucking bring this fucker down, or are you doing this to be like I was there? Because yeah. there was a lot of that. It was the it was the the culturally 
spotlighted thing to do uh, for a while. And, you know, I think that like, and I'm not going to say that, you know, like if you show it to March, good for you. Like, that's great. But what, what happens after that? That's something that you said earlier in this, in this interview was like, even if something gets reformed or even if something like if we get a victory in this one spot, what happens after that? So that this never happens again, that we don't ever have to revisit this heinous disregard for human life and oppressive bullshit and, you know, racist apologeticism. Like, when are we going to hit that point and how are we going to get there? And yes, exactly, that requires exactly. all that requires all hands on deck. All those people that showed up to march over the summer should still be donating and should still be educating themselves and should still be thinking about like, you know, what like you know, all this stuff is like it's not about you and it's not about making and it's not about you feeling good about like what you did today. It's about how are you gonna like you know, what are you doing this for? You're doing this for something bigger than yourself, that bigger than you, me, all of us, like something that's, it's because it's the right thing to do. And yeah, we die. We all die. We are not permanent placements on this planet. And a lot of the times our laws, as we're seeing by the laws that were created, you know, by our founding fathers, they stick around longer than our lifetime. And so what you're doing isn't for you. It's for the people after you. It's for the legacy of, of humanity. Fucking, you're going to die. Like, you know what I mean? No matter, like, what do you, what do you, I don't, I don't think people really, like, think about that concept as seriously as it is. Or of, like, realizing what selflessness, selflessness really is. Where it's like, you aren't going to escape that. Make decisions that will that, that are for the better good of people and not you because you are temporary. That's right. You know, like you do all that work for yourself. That work's gone when you're gone. Yeah. If you didn't bleed out to anyone else and you didn't create an umbrella, that, that work's gone when you're gone. We don't do anything without each other. That We don't accomplish anything without each other, right. you know. And, and I, I want that energy from people. Yeah. Like where what, at one point in humanity, did we move away from being there for each other like when did it happen when did we when did community break i'm gonna take a guess and say it started with uh private ownership uh, but yeah yeah (laughs) but that's a conversation for another day (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 ownership of land that's very true yeah and that i claim this earth is mine if you come on it i can kill you yeah that's pretty fucked yeah yeah and that crossover and ownership of people it's one point or another um, a couple times yeah yeah a couple yeah, times that's right yeah. mm-hmm. um so you're absolutely right nick and i want to thank you for you know really like expanding on like what you feel like is like so necessary us conversations we should have you know like because at the end of the day like i it's like we're so we're so used to like the factional aspect of like you know, what we stand for, where it's like, oh, you know, if you're supporting Black Lives Matter, I'm going to assume, you know, you're a liberal, you're, you're a leftist, or you're a Democrat. And if you like, you know, support, like, you know, this or that, like, I'm, it's like, there's all the assumptions based on like, you know, 
you support like oh limited government or you support gun rights or you support you know yes like, there's not these... don't people it's all black and whites with a lot of people it's and all it, ultimatums and you know? that's yeah. and and that's i mean and that's that's definitely a byproduct of like you know the bipartisan system and whatnot but that's also that is uh i think that that's like a good indicator that the system's not working and we need something completely fucking different and it shouldn't party be about yeah. it yeah. shouldn't be about like what party you align with it should be about what's the right fucking thing to do for every last one of us where all of us are accounted for and the equity and the reparations that have been stripped away from people based on the color of their skin or the orientation that they identify with is stripped away from them. Yeah. And you know what I think is something that's really important and that needs to happen is that, you know, you do need, and I, and you know, I'm sorry for my verbiage, but it's just the reality of it. And, you know, some people might be like, Oh, well, why are you saying it like that? But it's like, the little white girls from Mequon and Brookfield that came out, you know, in like daddy's car and shit, like they need to just sit the fuck down in a room with black people and yeah. listen to how they've lived their lives and what they've had to do and what they've experienced and what they've seen. Because I don't think they can really even fathom what life is like for a black American. I don't think that they can fathom what it's like, like to live in the ghetto. I don't think that they can fathom seeing people fucking shot and killed as a child and, and having to grow up with that trauma and be expected to perform at the same level as them who has been emotionally coddled their entire life, financially coddled their entire life. Like, I think these people just need to stop talking about how much they're down for the cause and just shut up and fucking listen and learn and start yeah. to figure out the reality of what America is for people that aren't like them. Because even the people at the marches, I can see that they empathize, but they're not getting what it's like. They aren't grasping the reality outside of what they've seen in music videos and movies. And they're not realizing what the ghetto is, what the system is, what fucking people live through, the trauma that black children go through. You know, like the trauma that black men go through that lead them into the lifestyles that they live. You know what I mean? It's like fucking that's something that really needs to happen. Like across the board, even with people who are down with the cause, they need to like be humbled, you know, like just sit down, listen. Yeah. You don't know right. what you, you know, it's like you don't know. You kind of grasp it. You're seeing through the ice, but you haven't broken into the water. You're not there. Like yeah. otherwise you'd still be here. That's yeah. the truth of it. Is as if they understood what it's like, they wouldn't all of a sudden have just phased out. So that's one thing I think is very crucial for people. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That I think about that all the time. You know, I think about all like how so many people I know or see like, you know, just return to, they just return to all their comforts or they, or they just, they talk out of turn, you know, where they, they, ooh, they think, I did my turn. Oh gosh. That was right. a lot. Remember when right. I did that? Remember the, remember the glory days? And it's like, no, it's not fucking done because nothing happened. Yeah. Mensa got hired by another police station. You know, nothing fucking changed. We didn't change any legislator. We didn't march when we had 8,000 people or whatever it was on that on that Thursday in the second week. The, we had one of the biggest protests in the country, in Milwaukee on that day. And we didn't fucking march to City Hall. We marched up to Bayshore Mall. We yeah. walked around Whitefish Bay in working class neighborhoods that are barely upper middle class 
instead like nothing has changed nothing got done it isn't done it isn't over and for some reason people took a breath of relief and stopped dude yeah people need to stop assuming that you know there's going to be a bunch of people that are out here doing the work for them and instead should be out here fucking doing it themselves too because it's it's the right thing i got told off a couple times because i was like hey we need to go to this building or like we've got all these people let's go here and and a couple of times i just got told like that i was too radical or being too aggressive or whatever and it's like what the fuck are you guys doing out here you're gonna go fucking march to mayfair what are you doing like you marching around mayfair isn't a fucking with the economy of wawatosa enough to matter what really needs to happen is you need to get into the spaces where these people speak and speak to them. That's what needs to happen. But I don't think people had that focus. And it took wind away because people weren't seeing that their efforts were, were yielding any fruit. And it yeah. really wasn't. At the end of the day, what did we accomplish by March? What did we solidly get in legislator? Legislator. Legislature. Sorry. Mensa's fucking hired by another department. Nothing happened with him. Right. Fucking nothing happened in Kenosha. Like, what have we accomplished? Why are people sitting down? Not like there hasn't even been one win. We marched all that time and two officers just left a four-year-old girl in the back of a van overnight and got suspended for 10 days. So what the fuck did we accomplish? The police aren't being held accountable for their shit. You know, like these officers are still acting with impunity with a slap on the wrist. And this isn't the time to sit down. But I also do think that winter has something to do with it. I just hope that spring and summer renews the flame in people. And I will absolutely be as vocal as I was. That's not, I don't plan on fading out. I'm taking a break to work on my family. And I've said this to anybody, but I'm still talking to people. But as soon, I mean, like, I'm not fucking out of this because I'm going to, I know it sounds weird to say this again. It's like, I know I'm going to die. I know I'm a temporary thing. The things that I do, I'm thinking about my seven-year-old now, my nearly three-year-old. And it's like, their kids, the yeah. people after me. So I, I'm not going to sit down because I like, what am I? What am I? Yeah. What the fuck am I? <laughs> like, right. I, what are we living? What are we living for? If it's not well, exactly. for what those that come after us. Yeah. yeah. Dude. Yeah, man. I, dude, I absolutely agree. I mean, I, I've like, and I've come to terms with the fact that I'll be fighting for some form of justice for the rest of my life, you know, and a lot of us will. And like, like you said, I mean, I think that a lot of the bottom lines that, you know, kind of punctuate these points and these feelings that you and I both feel obviously very, feel very strongly about is that, like, we need to have convert, like real conversations with our friends, with our communities, with our families, with our coworkers about what is, what is, you know, performative short-term in the moment activism that only really serves to like make us feel good in the moment but just returns to a cycle like when it's over versus what is actually like sustainable long-term effective powerful revolutionary activism that is gonna like allow for the things that we're marching for to be fucking answered and that means if we if if it is not our turn to talk, like you said, sit the fuck down and let's hear from somebody who's lived these experiences. Let's hear from somebody who's actually from this marginalized community that, you know, has all these people probably talking for them. Like, 
I it's it doesn't seem that complicated to me. No, no, <laughs> no. I mean, it's it's it really it's like it's something that we got taught in elementary school, literally. You know, speak when it's your turn. And you want to and someone I want to give a shout out to is uh, in in how they have formed family and bond with people who have been protesting is Sean Page. Uh, you know, he is Sean Page. Yeah, man, he has become family. And, and that is what people should be aiming for and not marching alongside black people and not fucking talking to them, you know, because like, I'll just say it again, like you can go to as many marches and you can go to as many rallies as you want to. But if you're not engaging with anyone, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like what, what, what are you are being an opportunistic person? Yeah. You're doing it for some jolt of excitement, but you aren't doing it for the human factor. You aren't realizing what this means to so many human lives, to so many human beings. And Sean, props to you for forming family and love and like bonding with people. That's what it should be across the board with everybody. You know, like, yeah, I saw his Facebook status the other day where he was, I think it was his birthday or something. And it, it like made me so emotional, like reading like what he had to say and just how strong of a bond like that revolutionary family that is the people's revolution have formed like it's so fucking beautiful and it's powerful it's fierce and that is like and that will never die and those are the families we need to form with our comrades and with you know all the people that are upset frustrated angry feel lost like we all need to form those families of our own and if people aren't angry, they're not paying attention. So, did you grow up in Milwaukee? Yeah, man. I uh, I grew up. I was born here. I lived in New York for a while when I was a kid. Moved back here in like fourth grade. Um, and yeah, man. I've been Milwaukee and through and through since then. Mostly Bayview, Bayview boy here. Man, or I must. I must say, speaking of Bayview. Like when I got unemployment, you know, I decided to start trying out some of those restaurants that have been on my list. And Bayview has some very choice spots. Oh, yeah. Food culture here is fantastic for being as small as it is, man. Good kind, Vanguard, Hungry Sumo, Hoy. I mean, dude, Odd Duck. Ceviche. Susan. Um, uh, Santino's. Man, dude, there's a bunch of spots in Bayview. I love it over here, man. It's weird, though. Uh, you know, I, I, when I lived over here as a teenager, it was like, you know, Hispanic families, Polish families, working lower class, you know, kids playing out in the streets, all of that. And now it's like totally hipsterized. And it's kind of weird. It's, you know, it's not the culture that I knew and loved in a way. And it's expensive. So I'm, I'm not sticking around Bayview, unfortunately. But yes, I am a Milwaukee and through and through. Word. to give you the tldr answer <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah uh i wanted to quickly ask before we uh, close up here uh i want to hear a little bit about your coloring book that you just uh dropped oh dude um the first print was a good learning experience really good learning experience and it did a lot better than i had expected um which was awesome it set me up to be comfy in a sense, kind of, I shouldn't, it's not like I'm rolling in money, dude, you know, nothing like that, but it was, 
I'm surviving off of my art. And that's really awesome. Uh, I'm about to re-release it. Uh, hopefully here in the third week of uh, February, I've been working with some friends. We added some stuff to the pages. We added some pages, kind of refined it a little bit, tweaked it. And yeah, I'm going to do another re-release and try and uh, push a little bit harder on that and then start pushing out the second one. Oh, yeah, dude, that's wonderful. Um, it's uh, it's Mammalia. That's that's what. You yeah, yes, it. yes. Faces of Earth, Volume One, Mammalia. Love that. That's adorable, man. Yeah, um, one. Of, uh, I'm gonna do five. So I'm gonna do Mammalia, and then um, I'm doing Insectalia, which is insects. You know, obviously, Avaria, birds, um, Aqualia, fish, and then Humania, which is gonna be all human faces of different ethnicities oh, and different cool. styles and stuff. Yeah. Oh. I'll be sure to share a link uh, so that people can check it out. I appreciate you, Ben. So you want to wrap it up, buddy? Yeah, man. So as we're closing out here, I uh, ask everyone the same two questions on the way out. Oh, Nick, what, Nick, what keeps you up at night? Uh, death. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, Literally. Horrendously bad. But yes, that's that's the truth. The long, short death. Thinking of yeah. dying you know, fucks with my sleep. Yeah, well, what puts you to sleep? That's the second question. Um, time. <laughs> time. <laughs> well, you know, I like to, I think about how, you know, I just turned 25 and I think about like, damn, like I'm already halfway through my 20s. Like that makes me feel like, damn, I'm like actually like, grown as shit now but then i think well like you said earlier i still feel like a kid at heart so there's still so much to see so much to do and we got a lot of time hopefully man we you know I, I i have a good feeling that we do so thanks nick for being on the show this was a lot of fun hey man great to talk to you let's do it again sometime let's do it again yeah for sure uh for everyone watching uh keep these conversations going um let's really like comp have conversations about, you know, what's real versus what's performative out here. Let's keep the revolution fired up into 2021, baby. Uh, Black warm Black weathers, Black. warm hearts. That's right. Um, thank you for watching Mr. Nice Guy. We'll see you next time.